Hello and welcome to Extraordinary Interviews with Ordinary People. I'm Nathan Andrews. On today's episode, I interview Rob from Greenville, South Carolina via Zoom. He's been in the alarm monitoring industry since he was seven, and he is currently the interim president at my job. Today's episode is a little different as we have a bit of a political discussion as part of our chat. A warning to viewers, today's episode contains controversial conservative views. Let's get right into today's recording, which includes my intro and a quick message from our sponsors. Hello and welcome to another episode of Extraordinary Interviews with Ordinary People. I'm your host, Nathan Andrews. Today, my guest is Rob. He is my boss's boss's boss. Real quick, before we get started, Rob, I just have to do a little spot here. Today's episode brought to you by Milkshakes, bringing your boys to the yard since 2003. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing great. How are you? Do you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you good. Where are you at right now? I am at my home office in Greenville, South Carolina. South Carolina. And I want to move to one of the Carolinas. Sounds nice. (laughs) This is the southern of the two. Right. That's why they call it South Carolina, right? That's right. Or to the locals, we're just Carolina. Oh, really? (laughs) That's funny. Uh, What what year were you born, Rob? 1975. 1975. So an 80s kid? Yes, sir. (laughs) <laughs> I just, uh, I have a three-year-old boy and I just got turned him on to The Amazing Spider-Man, which oh, nice. was first aired in 1981. Oh, wow. So Going old school. You have to have him watch um, the newest one, the newest cartoon one with the Miles Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse, the Spider-verse yeah. That's yeah. legitimately just a good movie. So it's a good movie to watch with yeah. the kids. And uh, where were you born? Were you born on the East Coast or... I was uh, in uh, Belleville, New Jersey. Oh, a New Jersey guy. Huh? Did you live on the East Coast most of your adult life? or? Yep, I, I lived in New Jersey um, growing up all the way through and past college up until 2007. And then I moved to Greenville, South Carolina in 2007. So do you only come to the West Coast for GMS and other things? Or do you have like a house out here or? Nope, just for GMS. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, do you have uh, any brothers or sisters? I've got two brothers and two sisters. Two brothers, two sisters. Oh, you got two of each. That's cool. And what was it like growing up in your house? You have a mom and dad at home when you were younger. Yep, we did. Um, we are five kids in six years, so we're all about thirteen months apart. Oh wow! Um, so house at the same time. Well, you know, when I was born, we were still in a little one-bedroom apartment in a place called Harrison, New Jersey. Oh, uh, when my sister was born, we had just we had just moved to the Burbs into a three-bedroom, uh, tiny little Cape Cod. Wow! So, what was that like? In the if you remember the the one-bedroom apartment with six kids, that's got to be a wild house. Yeah. So, well, there was only four of us at the time, and okay. uh, we also had a Saint Bernard. So, oh, I don't wow. remember much from that. Uh, just because by the time we moved out, I was just turned or right about to turn one. So okay. um, yeah. all my memories are concentrated around, you know, living in a, a little Cape Cod out in the country. And what was what was that like uh, in your suburban house? Yeah, It was pretty- great. I mean, 
I mean, the house was tough because you, you've got, we had seven people, one bathroom. So, you know, maybe that's why I'm so scheduled in my life now is that that was, you know, kind of baked into me very young. Like you're yeah. always on a schedule. It's your turn, your turn, your turn, move. You missed your turn, you're out. You're, you know, so. No shock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, it was great. I mean, you know, we grew up in, um, you know, there used to be real suburbs. Now you have planned communities and stuff like that. But, you know, we grew up, we were all, you know, neighborhood kids. We were, you know, from sunup to sundown, we were outside if we weren't in school and, you know, allowed to wander the woods and all that stuff. It was before all the the, the, the bad people in the brown vans really started. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, with the coyote screaming out of it, that, you know. Um, so we just had, a you know, what I think was a normal childhood. And then, you know, looking at with my kids now, it's like, you're going on the street. Now we're going down the street. Yeah. You're not going yeah. anywhere by yourself. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's crazy. I feel like you grew up in the perfect time, probably in the perfect area too. But because um, I still try my hardest to let my kids do that kind of stuff. But my wife fights it. Like my yeah. son walking down the block to somewhere is just like out of the question, which kind of wild to me. Yeah. Where we are um it's a great area but you, you still have some bad things that happen because it happens in everyday stores today you know? so but like at least on our street you know there's 12 homes on our street we're kind of at the top so every car that goes by has to come back out uh-huh. right so if my kids are running to the neighbor's house or whatever else um you know because they tend to do that and and we've got new new kids that have moved into the street and our kids will get to meet them this weekend and stuff you know but you you can hear everything and see most of it, at least in the fall, you can see it all. Well, you know, the yeah. trees are all bare, but, um, but we've got great neighbors that, you know, kind of like when I was growing up where I walked to and from school through backyards, right? So we went up the street, through the woods, and then backyard, 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 main road, all the way down to the school. If I was doing something stupid on the way home from school, I was skipping in the creek, we were doing something or just kind of taking our time. Like my mom got a phone call. By the time I got to the door, she's like, I told you no dilly dallying, you know, <laughs> like, and we kind of have that, you know, you know, I think it gets disguised as neighborhood watch now and yeah. people put up sign, hey, neighborhood watch. We truly have that with other parents on the street. Well, that works out so. good. Yeah, we, we have a school, like an elementary school because Sterling's turning five or he is five, so he's going to school this year. And it's literally next to our apartment. Like the next thing is the school. But he's going to a school um, next to my mother-in-law's house. But I said to my wife, oh, it'd be great if he could go to this school because then he could just walk to the school in the morning. It's not through no back roads or anything. It's, and she's like, right. no, I still wouldn't let him walk to school. So what was a uh, young Rob like? Were you a precocious kid, popular in school? Or what were you like? Yeah, I mean, like so, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of four. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm the fourth of five. So in that, and then I've got, you know, just big Irish Catholic family. So lots of cousins and we grew up all together. So, so you, you become very accepting of different people without even being told to be accepting of different people. Which so all through school. Yeah. Right. But, you know, all through school, I mean, you get this click, that click, you've got the smart kids, you got the jocks, you got this, you got that, you know, back then we had those things. You were allowed to call a jock a jock and a, and a geek a geek. And, and that wasn't a derogatory term back then. Right. And that's right. not anymore, but there was a period of time that you couldn't be a nerd. Now it's cool to be a nerd again. Like, like, Oh, I'm such a blah, blah nerd or whatever else. Right. Um, but I think I kind of bridged that very well. You know, I'm not the, I wasn't the the quarterback on the football team. I wasn't the the star pitcher. 
you know, I played well, you know, but and better than average at best, if I give myself a real pat on the back, I mean, I think the best year was my senior year in high school where we quit baseball and we joined the bowling team. Um, yeah. but, bowling. um, I think, yeah, yeah. So, um, we, uh, in my senior year of high school, we wanted to go on spring break. There were seven of us and half of us played on the baseball team. The baseball coach said, if you miss that week of practice, you're off the team. And we were 17 years old, 18 years old. And we're like, well, you know, we're never going to go to like major league baseball anyway. So let's call his bluff. Yeah. So we all went on this cruise and we had an amazing week in the Bahamas and at 18 on a cruise, you can drink. So we were just like, yeah, why wouldn't we be doing this? <laughs> and uh, we came back and uh, we didn't have a spot on the baseball team anymore. He called ours. Oh, wow. So like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, back then, like your, your social calendar kind of revolved around what sport you were playing at the time. Yeah. So one of us said, we should join the bowling team. We did. It was probably one of the meanest things we did in high school, not intentionally, but the bowling team was, you know, a bunch of kids who loved to bowl. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were, you know, mediocre athletes, just like, you know, most of us were, but some way or how we were better bowlers than they were. And so we walked in our senior year and kind of took over the bowling team. And you had these kids who have been bowling for three years, like what? <laughs> um, so but thankfully, I think they were all juniors. So they could have a senior year, too. So we we added, you know, I had, you know, a football letter, a soccer letter um, and then baseball and basketball. And I had a bowling letter uh, my senior year. So. Um, but to the point is, I think that I kind of grew up in the middle of all those groups, right? So, you know, my, my being one of five within six years, it wasn't just my grade because above me was my brother, Jeff, and then my brother, Tom, and then my sister, Suzanne, and then below me with Kathleen, my sister. So like your friend group, you know, was, you know, expanded exponentially, right? So my parents were out of town and I said, Hey guys, let's have a party at my house. The reason we always got busted wasn't because 30 of my friends came over. 500 people from the high school came over with kegs and beer. And we always got, you know, in trouble for it. But needless to say, we kept trying to get away with it. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it ranged from all different areas. I don't think it was like locked into one group or the other. But I think that also um, kind of framed all of us to be really accepting of different people, different hobbies, different cultures different everything um and just being you know accepting of all that without having to be told hey you have to accept that people even if though you know they don't talk like you and, and yeah, you know they don't yeah, like, do baseball like the, or whatever. i would like to touch on that because that that is so true that like the way i raise my child is to be accepting of everybody but you never have to say it like i don't understand right. why nowadays they want you to sit the kid down go That's over right. what's going on in the world and what we need to improve. It's just like, how about you just raise a kid that's not an asshole? It's not that hard. If we all just did that's that. 100%. In a more professional term at GMS, that's one of the pillars, right? Kindness. Right. Yeah. You know, we lead everything with kindness because through that, we'll respect everybody. We'll trust everybody. Everything gets led with kindness. If you just raise your children to be kind, you get rid of all the assholes. Right. You just have right? to push the first domino. You don't have to storm through the thing of dominoes with your feet. Like some people. That's right. So um, growing up in your house, were you very close to your parents? Were you closer to your mom or dad or? Yeah. I I mean, you probably didn't get a ton of attention. 
Well, you know, it was different back then too. So, you know, both parents worked, um, you know, my dad, um, you know, he, when, when I was real little, he was, he worked for, at the time it was a Demco today, it's Honeywell, but you know, he was traveling sales. So he was always in and out and whatever else. So, you know, my mom is five, seven hundred pounds. And even at my, my most fit call it, you know, junior year, um, middle soccer season, we still feared the woman. Like there was no, in my house, there was no wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. Right. Mom took care of it on the spot. And, um, and she had to, because otherwise, I mean, you, you, you lose control and there's five of them, right? It's five against one. So, you know, I mean, we all did, you know, we all got in trouble in our own little ways and, and whatnot, but, you know, nothing too bad. Um, because we knew that, once we got home, there was going to be, um, at the easiest day, a talking. Okay. Did they do any physical discipline? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we laugh and, you know, I, I tell my kids because grandma's so fun and she's great and she's this and she's that. <laughs> grandma's a tyrant. Grandma hit me with a TV once, you know? <laughs> and she with that so, TV. TVs were dangerous back yeah. then, too. That wasn't, that's no joke. They were. So, you know. You hit with a flat screen, I, uh, might not be too bad, but those big boxes could take no, you no, out. No, no, this was, no. This was this little portable TV that oh, okay. I had gotten for Christmas. It had the radio on the one side and the little black and white TV and the rabbit ear antennas. And I got trouble. And listen, I never, I never got a spanking I didn't deserve, you know, that kind of thing. I was never, well, one time, I'll tell you in a second, but one time I got, I got wrongfully attacked, but um, I got in trouble and I was like, fine, and like, go to your room. You're, you know, you're done for the day. So I went up to my, my bedroom and I shared that with my two brothers. And we used to have these, um, like a bed spread, right? So you didn't have these comforters and duvet covers back then. You just had this really thin bed spread that covered the bed. And I took out my TV and I was under my bed spread, which, you know, you could see through with the TV on in a dark room. Like I was going to get away with this. Right. And I just remember her coming in and something happened and the TV went and it hit the wall and then it hit me. Now I can tell everybody that my mom hit me with a TV. Yeah, because yeah, when you first hear that story, you imagine her holding it, whacking you over the yeah. head with it. I like that. That's story. right. It, but it, I, yeah, it's right. It's a better story, and it, and, it, and it grows legs and grows from there. You know, it's like the the one time uh, I was standing in the kitchen. I was in seventh grade, seventh, eighth grade. No, probably no, sixth or seventh. Yeah. And I went to school with a black eye. And the vice principal, Mr. Lane at the time, says, hey, Robert, are your brothers beating on you again? I said, no, my mom. And I just kept going, right? <laughs> so I get home. My mother's like, what did you tell Mr. Lane? What do you mean? What did you tell him about me beating you? Like, I don't remember. I told him anything. Oh, he asked about the black guy. I said that he asked if Tommy or Jeff gave it to me. And I said, no, you did. And then I went to my class. Yeah, he called me. Okay. What did you tell him? I told him I was going for Tommy, but you got in the way. <laughs> but she, you know, my brother had made some comment and she just went like this whoosh, but he leaned back or whatever else and i was just sitting there like innocent bystander pah, but i oh, caught man. the corner of her ring on my eye and it just blew up so yeah i like to tell those stories because the funny thing is you meet my mom she's this wonderful little woman and she's yeah. she's nothing but kind and sweet and people just right. like, there's no way that happened it happened yeah. 
because you, you said about getting hit when you weren't supposed to get hit. My mom used to say if she did spank us or ground us and came to find out that we didn't do what she thought we did, she said, well, that's just punishment for something else I don't know about that I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. What kind of rule yeah, is that? Yeah, that was a popular slogan too. If you didn't do it today, you're probably thinking about it or, or we'll get, we'll, we'll save it for next time. But the problem is if there was a next time. we didn't find. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So um, then you're, so then you're in high school. Um, what did you, because now you're a president of a monitoring company. I'm sure that wasn't your dream. Maybe it was, but in your high school years, what were you working towards college or any sort of career you wanted to do or? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I started working so young. Um, you know, my dad started when, when I was little, he was an alarm installer. So he would oh, he take was in me the alarm with company? him. Yeah. Oh, so cool. um, he was an alarm installer. So he would bring me or my brothers on, on a job and we would run wire for him. And, you know, I, I wired up my first alarm panel when I was seven, well, you know, and so like, I'll go to some events and we'll start talking about the old days and I'll know exactly what they're talking about. I mean, I'm only 46, but you know, that's 39 years of knowledge of the alarm system thing. So, um, but yeah, so in, in 1985, I was 10, he, he started King Central and that was an alarm monitor company. And King Central became um, the largest in the country. And, you know, now today it's called CMS, but in, uh, in 1985, it was just this tiny little central station called King. And by the time I was 12, I was an alarm dispatcher. And I worked all through high school on the four to 12 shift. If I wasn't playing a sport, which ties back to bowling, if you're not in a sport, you have to go to work, right? <laughs> so, you know, I better get a sport quick because yeah, otherwise I'm going to be working all semester. That's right. So, um, but that went true for everybody. You know, we didn't have time out. We had work, go to work. You're working this weekend. You're working the second shift on Saturday night. Tell your friends, you're not going to see it for a long time, you know, and, and, that has always gotten me into the monitoring business. So my entire career has been focused mostly on monitoring. And so now, now you're at this point in your life where it, it's worked out. You know, you're obviously a successful mm -hmm. man. Uh, you're sought after by monitoring companies. I'm sure that's how GMS found you. Um, but looking back, do you resent that at all? I mean, that's not a great childhood to just be working all the time do you ever think like well, oh if i could have just kind of you know not been working at 12 i started working at 16 and i kind of resent my mom for that because well i was paying rent which i shouldn't have been doing at 16 but i mean that's yeah. not great childhood working four to ten shifts on your weekends that's kind yeah. of rough. do you resent your parents at all for that no you know let me tell you something i mean i i try there there was a piece of time where i was like i'm out Right. I, I had all these ideas. I was in college learning, you know, what business looks like at a collegiate level in a textbook, then going to the office and be like, you're doing it wrong. Right. So I'm here. I am this pompous 20 year old half cocked, you know, with a half education. And, you know, I don't like the way things are going and nobody's changing for me. Mm -hmm. I'm the smartest guy in the room. And when that was falling on deaf ears, like that's not how it works. Um, there was probably a semester I was just like, I'm out. You know, I had, I had decided that I was leaving the family business. I wasn't coming back. I applied for this job at Nabisco, um, and which was, you know, pretty close to, to where I grew up. 
and had gotten, you know, right to the whole accept this offer. And it was kind of like a, a position with a career path at Nabisco. And without saying to my dad that I was leaving, we just, which he probably knew where I was going. He always, you know, he was like a great master chess player without playing chess. Like he knew where you were going to wind up. Yeah. We went to breakfast and we had this conversation that had nothing to do with anything, but everything to do with everything. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm in. Right. And it was all about, you know, nothing's ever going to be given to you. You're going to work your tail off in any way you want to go. You have to work, right? No one's going to come in and say, here you go. Here's that executive job that you want, that you don't have the experience for. You don't have the mental capacity for, you don't have the patience for, but here you go, Robert, take it. Yeah. Right. My dad grew up, um, you know, in a house with an alcoholic father, an abusive father, um, and he had had to deal with that. His sister was ten years older than him, so she kind of got out of the house, you know. So it was just him and his mom, and um, so not the the best upbringing. Went to the army, uh, you know, during the Vietnam era. Though didn't have to go to Vietnam, and kind of learned a trade. He learned about communications, and when he came out, you know, that's kind of where his path took. But he built that business. You were just talking about paying rent. We all had paper routes when we were kids. And like, I think my brother, Tom, who's the older of the three of us started it. And then Jeff kind of took it over and then I took it over. And by the time I, I stopped, I was delivering 120 houses, right? And that's when you had to take the newspaper and bring it around back and put it between the storm door. And the, you know, you had to do, it wasn't just drive by and throw it on someone's lawn, uh-huh. right? There was a, there was a, 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 you had to do it the right way. Otherwise you didn't get tipped. And that's what you're working for back then. Yeah. And you know, so I'd go out and I'd collect on Wednesday nights. I'd get all my tip money and, you know, maybe it was 20 bucks or whatever. It was $20. My dad would say, great, here it is in the envelope. When you're 18, you can have it. Okay. So just doing that, doing that. So when I was turning 18, I was like, I mean, I had been looking at cars for years. I'm like, I can't imagine what's in that envelope, but I'm thinking five years, 20 bucks a week. There's some money. So I'm like, hey, I picked out a car. Great. How do you pay for it? I'm like, I need the money. What money? The paper route money? <laughs> There's no paper route money. What do you mean? Robert, you were paying the mortgage. You know, <laughs> we, were on, we were on food stamps. We were on everything else. And that paper route was paying the mortgage. Like, yeah. It's gone. But I got something for you. What's that? A job. <laughs> Great. So, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. So you're, you know, your but, you know, when you talk like to a workaholic almost. It sounds like it just work is his whole life sort of thing. Or? Was that just sometimes? No, he just no, he he just had a great work ethic. You know, he work had a great ethic. play ethic too. He was a lot of fun. Oh, um, you know, but th- there's definitely two versions which you can get into. You know, we had we had Tom and we had Cancer Tom. So Tom was, you know, here's the office. You know, this is you know how we run a business. You know, if you want to learn about business, come to work. You want to be a doctor, go to college. You want to be a lawyer, go to college. But if you want to work about learn about business, come to work. And that's one of the reasons, like, I, I don't have a degree. I went through a few years of college. I was almost to the end, but I started working so much and, and earning money and then earning skill and respect and whatever else that I was really focused on. So, um, so that's kind of how we grew up. Like, you know, there's a, there's a place to play and there's a place to work, right? Wow. Um, you know, we are all very respectful, right? You don't hear us speak poorly about people. We respect our elders. We learned that kind of code 
that was carried through from my dad. Then uh, later in life, my dad got cancer and he became like no wall kind of guy, like hugs, I love you. You know, he has grandchildren. So he was just, you know, just completely involved in their lives. Um, and he just, you know, it was just, he realized that he didn't have to put up this macho kind of thing for anybody, right? He was just going to be himself and it was great. You know, we what were age? able to enjoy that for a number of years. What age were you when he was diagnosed? In thir- in my thirties. Oh, you were in your thirties? Yeah, he, he died in 07, so uh, 14 years ago. Well, that's what I kind of mean too, is like, do you ever wish that Tom that he became and it, it didn't have to be all the time, every minute of the day, but do you wish you got more of that as a child? Less, yeah, more, you know, Tom, I, more hug Tom? So I, I think everybody does, but it's funny. I was going through a, a box, you know, when I moved into this house about four years ago, I was kind of going through, you know, I, I, I'm, I hate stuff. So I've got like one box that I, I carried forward. And I found a few things. I was like, oh, wow, right, you know, I was in college and he wrote me this card, you know, and it was just, it was just what I needed to hear at that time. So it was always there. It just wasn't overtly there. Right. Okay. So, uh, so you had both so, sides. You know, he always, just... Yeah. And okay. I think that That's when you're in it, you know, you only see this, 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 and then you look back and you're like, you know, that's what they say about hindsight, right? You know, okay. it's easy to look back. So. Yeah, because when I ask if you resent it, I, I, that's maybe not the right question, because I know you don't now, but like at any time, yeah. did you, or back then it was hard, or you know, it could have been different, but it, it all worked out for the best, obviously, but I always wonder, yeah. you know, um, just if you could uh, get more of that at a younger age, but it probably wouldn't have been very good, I mean, because he's got to be a dad, too, first, you know, because that's how that's I try right. to raise my kids, is like, there's fun yeah, times and stuff, you know, I, I'm dad first, you know. Right. And I've got four kids, um, you know, that age from 13 to 19 weeks, right? So big gut. And um, everything I do with them is, you know, respect and kindness first, right? I, I try to believe, I don't, I don't just say that at work, right? You know, I try to live that way with, you know, our, our, our group here, the culture around South Carolina, my children, their school. Um, and I think that, you know, I get that from him, like he not using the same words, not being as touchy feely, but this is the, this is how you kind of fill or shape that foundation. And then you grow into anything you want. Yeah, so you, have to, you have to put the work in. He demonstrated it right. more than he said it, which is a great way to do it. Right. Well, let me tell you something. I've got, you know, two great mentors in my life and, or three great mentors in my life. And, and he's, he's definitely one that showed me um, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he passed away, because so we have hundreds of, you, you know, at GMS, like we've got, you know, 40 something employees, but all the other people that have come in and out over the years, you know, get, are still tied to that family. So at King, it was the same thing, right? Just picture hundreds of people, you know, over 25 years, um, 35 years of business, the people that came forward at his, his, funeral and said he never told anybody but he helped me with this or he lent me money so i could keep a roof over my head for a period of time or all this other stuff like so quietly he gave right and he helped people and gave people opportunity 
and he gave people a purpose, right? Which is which isn't always easy. I mean, our our first headquarters was in Hackensack, New Jersey. I mean, not an affluent area by any means. It's you know we were paying employees. I think when I started, they were paying like five bucks an hour because I started at like four and a quarter. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, no, you got to earn it. Uh, Those darn so, child labor um, laws ruined everything. Well, no, it's reverse nepotism, right? So everybody's like, oh, your dad, you know, he was a, he's an industry icon. He had this great business. You must think, no, that's <laughs> not, no. Like, I've been working my butt off. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah I remember we had, we had two great uh, supervisors um, in, in our office. And well, at least, I mean, of the great supervisors, we had two that one was Beatrice and one was Robin. And I remember my dad saying, listen, if he acts up, just whack him, just whack him in the back of the head. So here I am trying to learn how to do data entry. And I like to make a mistake. I like transpose a phone number or whatever else. I get smacked in the back of the head. Like, That's one way to learn. Um, so, I mean, there was always that, that there was that air of uh, mischief, you know, playfulness, you know, in my dad. Um, but you, you weren't just guaranteed. Like he wasn't just that. You had to do all these other things, right? Right. You had um, to earn it. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, you know, earn it sounds a little bit more. Um, uh, it's a little harder than it really was, but right, like you had you, to live you up had to, to that. You had to earn it, but it wasn't that hard to earn it. Or and that's not you, right either. You like couldn't, you yeah. couldn't walk around being a jerk and expect to to get right. that side of it. Yeah, what you give. So, sort of thing. yeah, and. He what he also made sure was that his children weren't going to come into his business and think they were owed anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, I worked in every seat of that operation, whether it was a dispatcher. You know, I started with scanning and shredding, and then, you know, a dispatcher, and then, you know, a supervisor. Then I got promoted to two-way voice, and then video, and then the tech department. That's it. And just kind of grew from there. Like you're going to get every piece of this puzzle, and then you at that point can decide what you want to do with it. You want to go off and do something else? Great. If you want to focus on this area, mine was operations. Great. My brother Jeff was acquisitions. My brother Tom was sales, right? Suzanne was on the finance side and legal side and Kathleen took care of customer support. He built this whole company out of his kids and, and, and nephews and nieces. That's funny um, when you say it that way. It's, it sounds yeah. like he, it's like that old joke. If you just have enough kids, you can have a football team sort of thing. Like That's right. <laughs> a couple yeah. more kids, yeah. we can make we, a football we team. Had it. We could definitely run the basketball court. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, growing up, I mean, it wasn't, you know, Chris Rock does this great, great story where like, well, Chris, you grew up in the projects, you grew up in this. He's like, yeah. So he's like, well, you know, how did, how did you feel being poor? It's like, I don't know. Guy next to me had what I had. The guy over here had what I had. You know, we all grew up together and none of us knew we were poor until we weren't poor anymore. Like it, <laughs> It wasn't That's like true. it was abnormal because we were we were all together in that. That's you know? life. So, yeah. Yeah. So outside of say work and sports, what was your favorite thing to do as a kid? What did you fill whatever little time you had left with? Were you in the TV movies? Well, Art, yeah, I, mean, well like I was a, I was a cartoon junkie when I was a kid. Um, so now I watch cartoons today. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, bring back He-Man. Um, hey, there's some quality <laughs> cartoons out there. We can get into that later. But, but what was your favorite thing to do as, say, a high school kid? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that there, I mean, I wasn't a video gamer. So, like, I'd go and hang out with friends and, they, and like, you know, my friend got uh, the Sega Genesis when that came out, uh -huh. right? 
and then there'd be a fight for the controller and I just kind of sit in the back and just hang out and whatever else. And, you know, I'd get, I'm never going to be that guy that's going to win or take your head off in Mortal Kombat or whatever else. But you know, I just, it just didn't have the interest in there, but I mean, I could, I could tear apart any electronic and put it back together. Um, I was a DJ for a bunch of years, like sophomore in high school through sophomore in college. Um, enjoyed doing that. And, um, would do everything from a wedding to a sweet 16 to a bar mitzvah to a bat mitzvah. And there's a difference in all these different, you know, venues. And then when I was a sophomore in college and I was doing sweet 16s, it just took on a whole level of inappropriateness, right? So I'm going to get out there on the dance floor dancing with all these 16 year olds. And I'm just like, this is just, I got to get out of here. And it was work for my cousin. He still has that business. And I think what that taught me was one, you can be anybody you want to be for two hours, right? So anytime you're, you fear um, doing something new, something different, something that you're going to look like an ass, it's two hours of your life, you could do it, right? I know, what you look I know like how that is. I know how that is because right now I'm pretending to be an interviewer for two hours. That's right. I don't feel that's like right. it. I'm still getting used to this. So I feel like I'm, you know, pretending. So that's that's really interesting. That's so true. You can be anything. Oh, it's like the whole fake it till you make it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, and then you <laughs> just gave me a, a very wide appreciation of music. So like, you know, people listen to this kind of music or that kind of music. I'm in South Carolina, so there's a lot of country music and I love country music, but I also love old school rap. And I love, you know, the fifties and the twenties and all these different eras of music because I was exposed to it. It's funny because, you know, my daughter's 13 and the music out, out there today, I think is just garbage, right? Well, that's I, every I generation like most of the, that's every absolutely, absolutely. That's right. yeah everything's a remake right we've got four hulk movies you know everything's just do something new be original so anyway we share a playlist on amazon music and what will happen is she'll be like oh this is a song so what i'll do is i'll start pumping songs into her playlist and then she'll be like oh my god i just listened to i think the cranberries and she's like that was so cool and then i was like oh yeah i just put in some guns and roses and some ACDC, check that out, you know? So, you know, all over the board too. And then, you know, here's some country songs you should listen to and whatever else. Yeah. But, and she, thankfully, cause you know, 13 year old can go either way. She's very um, accepting of that, um, trying to trying to learn, or she's doing it to, to finally find a song. And she's like, dad, that, that your music is, your music sucks, right? You need to <laughs> yeah. listen to more of that. Yeah, can all be so. gems. Yeah, no, we do the same thing with Sterling. We try to listen to a real wide variety of older stuff. But I want to get back to, did you say old school rap you're into? Yeah, because, you know, like, I, I've got this memory of, I think we were going on a school trip to, we were either going to Boston or D.C., right? So my middle school, you had three trips. One was to Washington, D.C., one was to Williamsburg, Virginia, and one was to Boston. All related to history. I just remember being on, like, one of those leisure line buses with, 45 kids, a big bag of candy, and a three-day road trip. Listen to Brass Monkey, <laughs> right? Um, and then that goes in, you know, and let me tell you something. I am not an aficionado of any group. So when I say old school rap and you start throwing out names, I'm going to be like, I don't know who that is. But no, I do know. Because uh, a lot of people, they try, if you try to guess my favorite kind of music, no one gets it right. Because my, really the only kind of music I listen to when I'm by myself is old school like 90s early 2000s gangster rap which usually surprises a lot of people yeah. so it's just funny to hear you say that it's like oh yeah, yeah i love rap too but 
you mean more like bc boys and such like that or run dmc and you know eminem and um uh you know queen latifah i mean she she's the equalizer now but i knew her when she was just a rapper oh, yeah, <laughs> um, no, ice cube queen latifah exhibit they're all good stuff yeah um yeah. Do you, well do we... did you just hear that humpty dance guy died today at 57 oh, really? what's his name news. um yeah he's um, i didn't recognize his name because it's it's a it's a it's a rapper name it isn't humpty yeah. uh but that was just one of his personas yeah, yeah i found dead in tampa um what who would you who would you put as maybe your favorite rapper just curious oh will smith will smith don't got a cuss in his raps to sell records so that's good i guess yeah <laughs> yes yeah. that's funny i love that in uh stuff. rob bass right so you know what a great will smith song is you should put it on your playlist is um i don't i think he did it as a remake or a cover the just the two of us oh yeah i think that's one of my favorite songs by him yeah good stuff and throw in maybe the fresh prince theme you know you 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 so you expose your kids to good music do you expose your kids to good television you ever have them watch uh some fresh prince or some martin or something good like that some old school 90s yeah so like my daughter's on the cusp of um pushing the envelope so she's like dad i just binge watched the entire office uh, like that's really popular yes yeah i was like you know i don't know that i've ever really watched that too much so you know flying from south carolina to california all the time great so i downloaded it and i watched every one of them and when i was done she's like what did you think i said i think i should have watched that before you did <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no so, that's true too um that's funny i try to keep sterling away from extreme violence a lot of blood yep. a lot of gut stuff but really anything else I'm not too stressed out about. I feel like I can, I can explain it well enough to, you know, it's fine to say it on the show, but we don't say it to the teachers, stuff like that. Like, I think people yeah. kind of freak out over shows that are more comedy or, and I just, they try to just uh, block that from their children, but it's yeah. like, let him watch. You can explain it to him, like talk to your children, explain yeah. like, so that's funny though the office uh, you like the office yeah i did it's good and, uh, right i think it, i've watched it maybe she, seven or eight times the whole series so oh wow yeah, yeah i'm upset now she's on she's on the Grey's anatomy and i was like yeah i watched that for the first 40 seasons and then it just became repetitious yeah so i, I turned around to i said you know there's a great show you should watch if you're into that kind of stuff watch bones right because bones was a good show okay. um and it it's got Oh yeah, Zoe Deschanel, Zoe Deschanel's sister, um, and the dude from Seal Team. See, I went with Seal Team, not Buffy, right, or Angel. So because I like him better as a Seal than I do as a vampire. Yeah, David Boreanaz or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, but at least that she'll learn. Yeah, another real quick. If she loved The Office, get her on Parks and Rec. That shows exactly like The Office, and. I don't know if she's old enough to get this, but the first season kind of drags a little bit, but if you can get into the second season, that show is like the office times 10, in my opinion. It's so okay. emotional and heartwarming and it's really good. And it's a lot less, well, maybe not a lot less, but it's less raunchy than the office at times. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that her and I watched, the other thing that we watched together, and again, she watched the first season and I had to catch up. And then I was like, I can't believe you're watching this is um stranger things right so oh, yeah. you know and my wife watched you that. go on 
you go on, uh, and I'm not a scary movie guy. So if you go on to my Facebook feed about two summers ago, you know, there's a picture of her and I where said, we're going to watch it together. And, you know, we've got a, an eight year old and, you know, and babies too. So we go upstairs to the kids bonus room and like, it, it's like 10 o'clock at night and we start watching this and we're going to go, we're going to watch the whole season. And uh, we got about halfway through it, but there's a picture of her and I, and we're on just like this. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. And, uh, and she's like that too, but she thinks it's funnier than I am. Like I told you, I don't like this stuff. Um, <laughs> but now we're both like, I can't believe it's, it's it's pushed out again because now we're waiting for the next one so um but yeah i think that you know what was good tv to me isn't to your point about every generation before music isn't good tv to to people today they're exposed to so much more than i was or we were or i mean just you know around the election i love political fighting Uh love it if you are a uh, a left-leaning Democrat, I'm going to be a right-leaning Republican because I want conversation. I want to have that. I want the thoughts to come out. I want to have a discussion. I want to understand where you're coming from. So it because that may teach me. I, I have this thirst for knowledge. I want to learn from everybody I talk to. And so she starts debating me over text. So, just so you know, a. a um, two girls from a previous marriage. So I only see them on the weekends and during night during the week, but Julia will text me and she'll be like, dad. Yes, Julia. Blah, 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 blah. And it's, you know, whatever she's seeing on TikTok. And right. <laughs> like, gee, and, like, and for a while it was, um, she, what was she trying to get me to debate on? It had something to do with LBGTQ. So and lots of debate on there. <laughs> that's right. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, and she's um, she's trying to. I, uh, and this is what gives me the appreciation of my dad. I know where she's going before she starts. Right. So I am just baiting it, you know, with the with the hook. And so it comes down to this whole thing. Well, well, she asks her a question, whatever she sees, or she sends me a, a quick video that I need to watch and whatever else. She's like, so where do you stand on LBGTQ? I said, I don't. I, I'm, I'm a straight man. <laughs> well, do you support them? I said, yeah, I support everybody. You know, th- listen, love is love. You know, if you if you find someone that looks just like you and that's who you love, great, love them. Well, do you support um, same-sex marriage? I'm like, well, and I think this was probably before my second marriage started. I'm like, I don't know that I support any marriage, but. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be miserable too, go ahead and get married. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was an old joke yeah. back then. Like, if you want to join us in yeah. the misery, knock yourself out. I don't know why you want to. But half of, a, half of us don't it. make it, but hey, you do you. But, you know, she so she starts doing this whole thing. And I said, listen, here's the thing, Julian, and take this forward. Like, you don't have to agree with everybody. You don't have to look like everybody. And you don't have to be like everybody. You just be you. Be the best version of you every day. And you will be surrounded by love. And if you're not being the best you, people will figure that out, right? So yeah. don't try to- It'll come to the surface. So then she, she says, well, why don't you support this or that? I'm like, um, here's the thing. And, and this is the way I was raised. I think you should be able to do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. You want to, if you're a man, you want to be with a man, you're with a woman, you want to be a woman, you will, 
you're with this, or you want to be this, or you want to do both, that's fine. I don't want to pay for it. Right. Right. Because then or it be, you know, went into the whole or gender be hurt by it. Or be hurt by it. Yeah. As long as they're not hurting and, or costing me money. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, gender things are, are, are now, I don't mean to dismiss by saying things, but gender topics are, are, are all over now. And, and she said, so she was asking about that. She's like, well, what if I, what if I feel like I, I was born wrong and I need to be a boy? I'm like, I'll support you. She said, well, why don't you support this? I said, I don't not support them. And there's a, there's a clean line there. And it's that I can care for them. I can encourage them to be the best version of themselves. What I, what I'm against is that, me, a uh, a 46-year-old white Irish Catholic man has to then pay for their operation there, whatever, or it has to be out of the taxes that are collected out of my hard work. I think that, you know, there are, there are programs out there that for the people who can't afford to go that way can, can go into, and there could be scholarships set up and whatever else. I don't think that should be draw off the tax system, right? Because that the tax system was really built for one, giving a hand up to people, right? So welfare wasn't meant for a lifestyle. It was meant to help people out of depression and get them back into working. But hey, we need we need light and heat and food in the meantime. My family lived on welfare for a while. So I understand that and appreciate it, and, and that's okay, but it needs to be a path up, not just a suppressed down, which I think it is today. Yeah. Um, and all these other things, in, uh, industry, technology, uh, roads, bridges, all that other stuff. That's where your taxes should go to, right? It shouldn't go to medical procedures. It shouldn't go to this. It shouldn't go to that. You know, there could be other programs for that, but it shouldn't be that. Not to mention, you know, you cost me a fortune anyway. <laughs> I've got no more money to give you. So yeah, well, uh, and I, I think... kind of tie it back to her playfully because I also want to understand that if she gets too focused on an issue and she's too serious, she's going to get tunnel vision. And if she doesn't back off a little bit, she's not going to see every other opinion, position, whatever else, and make a better decision, right? Because knowledge empowers. And if you're if you if you're a hard right person, you're focused here, and, and nothing else comes comes in um, to your view, you'll never learn, right? Um, what's one of the things we say, you know, at GMS? You know, if we've always done it that way. That is the exact reason why we should look at doing it differently. Maybe that yeah. way still works, but if that's if we're only doing it because that's all we've ever done, that's not a good enough reason anymore. Because there's other things we can learn, and and if you're not open to learning, you know you're going to be one of these really ridiculous memes on the internet one day, you know, yelling at you know because you're so dis disheartened by a decision that was made. Yeah. So, um, well, I think one of the most annoying things about today, which kind of ties into the same thing about when they say, are, are you supportive of this? Are you against that? The thing that bothers me the most today in politics is like racism, for instance. Like, I don't think you have to be anti-racist to be not racist. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like just being not racist isn't good enough anymore. You also have to yeah. fight for against the racist. It's like, yeah. I just, I like everybody. I'm not against any kind of person. Why isn't that enough anymore? That, you know what I mean? That's that, what well, that, that's the solution, right? If you're kind to everybody, it doesn't matter where they're from, how they were raised, what color, what religion, or, or whatever the next thing that they do to kind of 
continue to separate because I think that you know there there are people out there that make a fortune by segregation. We don't call it segregation anymore, oh, yeah. but we oh, yeah. call it labeling, race right? Race hustlers. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just if you're just kind, mm -hmm. right, and you and you and you don't have to be religious about it, and you don't have to be faithful, and you don't have to be you know you know a a devout religious person to be kind. Kind is it's the easiest thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> in, in our business, we talk to people all the time who are um, not at their highest moment, right? They are, you know, their alarms going off in the middle of the night and they don't know why, or it's going off for the hundredth time and it has been fixed. Or, you know, in, in our people become the 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 ears of whatever problem they're having in their house. It's not personal that way. Be kind, you know, be empathetic and and you'll see radical change really fast. Well, I think the problem too is people don't like, I don't know why, but people seem to get, they seem to have an aversion to simple solutions that are going to take a long time to fix things. Like my, a guy I listen to a lot, Adam Carolla, all he ever says is it's like losing weight. It's just diet and exercise. And that's it. You can write as many books as you want, but that's all that works. And it's the same with all of our problems in the country, he always says, focus on family and education. And if everybody yep. just did that, it wouldn't fix the problems tomorrow. It wouldn't fix it in a year, but in a generation, 90% of our problems would be gone. If everybody just stayed in the home, raised their kids right, focused on family, focused on education, like the Asians do, like the Jewish people do, they, we'd all be kicking ass. But I feel like people want to solve the symptoms instead of the problems because solving the problems isn't flashy and it's going to take all the cash is in the symptom. I mean, look at uh, cancer, right? You're telling me that we can turn around and get a, a vaccine for an unknown virus within six months, but we can't crack cancer. No, there's too much money in the symptoms, right? So it, we yeah. make a lot more money treating the symptoms of it versus, I mean, if we, if we just said, Hey, and I know there's some, you know, somewhere there's a cure for cancer. Someone's got it. And they're saying, Oh shit, don't look in that box. Um, because that's the cure. And once there's a cure, I mean, trillions of dollars a year. I mean, all everything that they have, I mean, there'll be nothing to watch on TV because there won't be a pill to sell. You know, I mean, there's so much money there that, you know, same thing with, you know, with hate, right? Hate sells. So kind I, of it's sell. like it's like utopia, like um, in a utopia, what would people do for work? What would the firemen do? Right. What would the cops do? Like, what would the yeah. counselors do and the psychiatrists and the doctors? They'd all be out of work if we didn't have problems. So, but that's that's a, a reality in life. But people do, I think, uh, take advantage of that and use that to as a yeah. weapon to say, "Look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help black people for the rest of my life. I'm going to make millions of dollars off of books. So racism, please don't go away." You know what I mean? Like that's just right. But it's like, you really shouldn't think that way. It's just a bad way. It's, it's a I natural part of life, but not a good worry. process. I would say that if you got 100 people in a room, got 100 people in 100 rooms, you ask them a list of questions, 80% of the people would probably answer the same way, or 80% of the questions would be answered in the same way. But we focus on the 10 over here and the 10 here, right? Not the 80 that brings us together. And that's why I think that, you know, we've got two polar opposite presidents, right? We had Trump who was all the way over here, or at least 
the show that was Trump was all the way over here. Everything he was doing here helped everybody. Right. But the the pompous and 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 the the lack of articulation and everything else over here, I think that was a genius move by his team saying, here, watch this hand. Because over here, this hand's doing all this stuff. Right. So how do we counteract that? We come in with Biden, who's all the way over here in, in his administration. And they're over here now. So now we've got to go really high taxes. Um, uh, capital gains is, is, is going way up. Corporate taxes are going way up. Um, but they deserve it. Right. And that's the message. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Everybody here in the 80, they're not saying, shut up. Right. Just you, you idiots and you idiots go over here. We're going to be over here and we're all going to work together to make sure that we're all better. Right. Well, the way, the way um, the world's getting now, a lot of the 80%, um, which you and me would probably put ourselves in that 80%. I mean, I do identify as a conservative, but I take everything on a case by case basis. I might be liberal on this and I yeah. conservative on that, which is why doesn't anybody do that? But anyways, um, I think that the way, dang it, lost my train of thought. See, that's a bad interviewing right there. <laughs> but it's cutting just, and editing is for. Yeah, <laughs> fix that part and post. But it is crazy that people, they just, I feel like they don't want some solutions. Like, I feel like a lot, a lot of people don't want COVID to go away. I'm just like, like, I got my vaccine. I'm not wearing masks anymore. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. But they're like, well, you might That's still all of it. Yeah. Just like, they would, I feel yeah, like they don't know, want the bad but, things to go away. But here's a perfect, yeah, you're right, in, in the media, because, you know, what, what's the media talk about? I mean, for every night for the last year and a half, the local news starts with COVID. Right. right. Um, so we, this is where kindness is tested though. Right. So I, I've traveled through COVID, right. I have children, so I'm always washing my hands and making sure I'm not licking a window or whatever else. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm also, you know, I, w- I was raised to think so and to question. So I look at things almost how they're constructed. So when someone says, you know, we've got to go out and we've got to, you know, shut down the economy. Everybody's got to go in their house and we got to do this stuff. Okay. So we all kind of did that and nothing changed. Or Don't, no, worry, Rob, wear Don't worry. It's only for two weeks. Then it was, well, we have to wear a mask. Okay. And socially distance. Okay. So stay home, wear a mask. Now wear gloves. Wait, don't wear gloves because I mean, well, now if we think about gloves, we're touching everything. We're just bringing those gloves with us and we're touching ourselves with the gloves. It's, What's the difference? You can't wash gloves. So all these things, this is, hey, we can't do school. And this is the biggest tragedy of COVID in the way it was handled. We can't do school because of COVID. But wait, we've got masks and social distance. Well, let's add plexiglass. Let's do this. So now you've got a generation of people who have lost a year and a half of education. Because I got to tell you, our, our school system has been great. You know, um, my children are well taken care of. They're smart, but they have really fallen down during COVID. Yeah. I almost wish that we went a homeschooling route that had the, the built-in structure of teaching because the, what, what they put forward over the last year was just it was trash. I mean, um, my daughter, um, we took them out of school for three days because we went on an RV trip and we went to some pretty cool places. And, and um so she went on e-learning day one first 20 minutes she's done and that packet was handed to her in december and we're in march like 
how is that even still applicable, right? I mean, that's just phoning it in. And my, it's probably not the teacher. It might be the district. It might be the state. I don't care who it was. Yeah. It felt. Um, but and now it's like, hey, we got a vaccine. Great. But still got to wear a mask. Still got to social distance. We still got to keep these businesses shut down. And at the end of the day, it's like, how much can you can you go forward, right? So somebody is intentionally suppressing that for a reason. We don't know what that is or who it is, but still, I mean, to your point, do you want to wear a mask in again? No, you're vaccinated. You can still get it. You're just hopefully not going to get it as bad as you would have, right? Um, you can still spread it, but you know, hopefully everybody else has got the vaccine so they don't get it as bad either, right? right. Now we've got all these variants and now we're gonna have booster shots and all this other stuff. And, and you go back and you say, okay, you know, we're still at less than 1% you know, of people dying. So maybe we should look at that 1% and study that and come up with a solution custom to that percentage, whatever that is, right? And solve for that. Let's stop this madness over here for the other 99%, 99 plus percent. Yeah. And, and let's get everybody back. Let's get schools open. Let's get people talking. I mean, my children, you know, I, I went to Target yesterday and I had my daughter with me who's 17 weeks. And you look at her eyes as she looks at people and they're just all covered up in different masks. Like they, they can't see that. I've got two nieces that were born deaf. They rely on your lips to, to communicate, right? And expression. You know, they, they both have cochlear implants and they hear right now and they're, you know, they're, in, you know, they're doing awesome. But they still default to that. Like in, you're taking that communication around. I mean, what kind of world are we where we're only looking at people's eyes? You know, it's like walking around and, and being like in G.I. Joe and your snake eyes and, you know, by the way, great cartoon. Um, you know, <laughs> well, that, that's so, what drives me uh, crazy, too, is because um, like sometimes I like to argue on the Internet. It's fun. I go on a website called Imager. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they're really left. You post something yeah, yeah. on about transgender, it's removed. You take a <laughs> conservative stance, you're going to get torn apart. Um, but I think in today's society, everybody says, give me sources, give me the studies, give me the proof. Um, yes. which is good and it's okay, but it's, it's gotten to an extreme where nobody just uses their common sense anymore. Like I was talking yeah. to a person about mask wearing and some people are just, they're saying, I'm just going to wear a mask indefinitely because it's just safer for the flu for anything really. And I, and I remember commenting on there saying, this is bad for children. Oh, you know, you can't go years without children, five-year-olds and such seeing people's faces. It's bad for them. And it's just going to ruin kids if all they see is masks. And immediately the first comment is, well, where's your study that proves that? What's your source? And it's like, common sense is my source. I know I have two children. I don't even need to have children. I just know kids. Like when you're teaching kids how to speak, they look at your lips for the indication on how to say an L with their tongue out. And how just like how could people are just like well i don't believe it unless there's a study showing masks are bad for kids it's like how do you not just know masks are bad for kids it's common yeah. sense hey, what would what would and this probably dates myself but how what would the first george bush president do i mean his whole thing was read my lips like you can't right? <laughs> and then you got guys like you you know with, with you know in this whole you know you know talk about another sect of of, of humankind is all you people that can grow a beard right <laughs> I've got beard envy. I can't grow a beard. You know, I haven't shaved in, in a week and this is what I got. Um, 
But then you've got a mask, and then you have all this hair coming out. You know, it looks like Chewbacca's walking through the glasses are fogging up, and yeah, yeah, it's awful. So it it it, that's right. Maybe that's the position you should take. It's for all of us that wear glasses, right? (laughs) We're walking into walls. We're responding to emails with bad etiquette, bad grammar because we can't see. So um, when my when the masks first came around, um, when I wasn't wearing them because I didn't wear them until they were mandatory because think they're stupid again i got nothing to prove it just common sense i don't think it helps especially outdoors especially when you're away from the person or if you're walking by the person for two seconds not i mean unless you're in their face talking for 15 minutes it's really unnecessary but um how about the sole news anchor that's in front of the white house by herself wearing a mask how about biden wearing a mask after being vaccinated or two masks (laughs) anyways but um I used I, I I made the joke it's great for us ugly people with all these masks it's really helping us out yeah. being able to cover up my face all the time but I wasn't even wearing them that was really surreal I remember going to Target when this all first started and masks became prevalent but not mandatory yet and it was so surreal being the only guy in the store without a mask it just felt so, like I was surrounded by crazy people like what are you all and yeah. I used to forget about it Every day I would forget about it until I saw the first person with their mask. I'm like, oh yeah, COVID's going on. Like, mm-hmm. I hate masks. <laughs> yeah. So again, in Target yesterday, and I'm not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. 80% of the stores wear a mask. But then like when you're, it's, it's hysterical. I was telling my wife this, that, you know, when you're, when your eyes meet another person's eyes and you're not, both not wearing a mask, there's like this look like, Okay. It's like solidarity. Uh, Also, you can't give those looks with a mask on. That's what drives me the craziest too. You can't go to a person and be like, yeah, 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 I get you. Or I've done it. I I do it to people. I'm like, why didn't they react to me? Oh, right. I'm cut. My face is covered. So they don't know. I went like, "Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. So that's so bad for society. What what COVID is also killing is, is a true passion of mine, which is sarcasm. How can you be sarcastic? sarcastic if you can't see my face right 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 it ruins everything you may just that's right damn covid uh but no i mean but i do think that you know you know going back to kindness if you are somebody who feels that you need to wear a mask great you know if you are somebody who if you want me to wear a mask that's fine if i'm gonna go to my grandma's house and she says hey put on a mask it makes me more comfortable okay no problem great osco it's required you're in a private business you're on private property put a mask on or you can't come right. in okay i've got no issues with that but i'm gonna be walking outside yep. by myself you can't tell me to put a mask on though that's just ridiculous that's right i always wear mine on my wrist you know ready to go and because you guys do you guys not have a mask mandate any longer yeah because no. we still have it I mean, in california so we have to you wear know, the city of greenville the city of greenville does um but you know, we're on the outskirts of the city and and we don't have a mandate. I mean, certain stores do, to your point, and you yeah. can choose to go into that store or not. And some stores have gotten playful and said, hey, we respect your decision to wear a mask, but we don't, right? So, um, you know, it, it's kind of putting it out front so you know what the expectation is. But I think that one thing that comes with everything here in the South, um, whether it's true or not, is there's always kindness. It's always wrapped in kindness. Um, Sometimes that's feigned kindness, but at least it makes you feel like they're being nice to you, right? That's where the whole bless it's, your heart comes from. Bless your heart enough. isn't nice. Feigned kindness is better nice. than no kindness. <laughs> that's right. So, um, 
but I, I think that, you know, you've got to respect everybody's decision and what's right for them, what's right for their family. If your grandmother feels safer with a mask on and you want to see your grandmother, those are the rules, right? And I think maybe that's what we lost. We lost, hey, there are some rules to everything, right? right. There's etiquette. You know, when, you know, when I go to my, when I was a kid, we go to my grandmother's house, you go into this house and there's, there's 50 people, right? Cause you know, my mom was one of five and everybody had a bunch of kids and, you know, we all good Catholics and whatever else, you know, keep procreating. Um, but your first stop was grandma. Don't right. get lost with the kids. Don't get around the uncles or whatever else. You snaked your way through that tiny little house till you found grandma and give her a hug. That right. was it. If you didn't do that, like, there was a, at best, at, or at worst, no, at best, there was a lecture. At worst, it was, now you're going to grab, sorry, grab, you know, yeah. I just got whacked in the head. Like, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. So, you know, with, with this whole COVID thing, it affects everybody differently, you know, and it affects people's families differently. I was just talking to somebody today, and, they, and you know, they're, they're not into, you know, they feel like I do, that like my body is is built to fight these things. And, you know, I don't use hand sanitizer. I use soap and water because I don't want to kill good bacteria, all these other things. But, and these are all things that I've just learned, right? So, but they're right for me. They may not be right for you. The guy I was just talking to before is they're not right for him, but they're right for his wife. And he's just tired of the argument. He's like, so I'm just going to get it. And if I die, it's on her. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, that's so, true too. You got to agree with the wife. Well, the other thing people yeah, don't so do you, is ask the opinion of the old people. Like my grandma, right. my grandma didn't actually ask me to wear a mask, but like my grandma's 93 and she has great grandchildren, my, my kids. And I, I don't, I don't know this for sure for her, but I think there's some old people out there that say, I'd rather die next year of COVID than not see my kids today. And nobody asked them if that was okay. Everybody just decided for them, we're going to protect you from COVID by ripping these things away from you. And I yep. think a lot of people are like, I'd rather die of COVID than not, and and get to see my kids for the next couple of months while I have it or whatever. And it's just like, right. nobody like, asked I mean, the about all the, Yeah, think about all the people that were in nursing homes, right? And I've got good friends that, you know, their mother was in a nursing home and she's in her 90s in New York. And it was completely locked down. And they weren't allowed to go in and see their mom, which they did daily, right? So you completely cut her social counter off, right? So now you're you just introduced loneliness into the one place in the world we don't want loneliness right yeah. in your in your in your last years yeah and their thing in new york was in new york however they handled i mean there's there's a reason i don't live in the northeast anymore but um you had workers coming in and out every day right? so they were going back to their own social security circles they were going to food stores and whatever else and they were coming in and that was okay right. but for you to say i'm going to go see my mom because it's been a hundred days, you were stopped at that door. Right. Tragedy. That's a tragedy. Yeah. A whole new um, uh, um, sector showed up in New York where it was these people that were coming in and privatizing um, senior care, where they were setting up a room in a house or a room in a hotel to be like the nursing home with all the things they needed. But that way that person could then see their family and everything else and run their own life because they needed all the care they were getting at the nursing home they just couldn't get it at their kids house so yeah i think that's one of the biggest problems today too is um one group fighting for something for another group but never asking that group if they even want it you know it's like can't stand people like fighting for this group like um the indian baseball team or football team whatever it was american indians love that man it was like 
Mm -hmm. was a tribute to them it wasn't put up there to make fun of them it was because they're strong and they're 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 good people and it was a i think the guy that designed the logo was american indian and and just like nobody asked and people did ask indians if they were offended and they weren't and it's we still fought for that but it goes back to the the the, that 10 percent on either edge right there's probably somebody in that population the american indian population who didn't like it but their voices spoke louder because the, the rest of the 80% in the middle, we don't, we don't go out there and we don't start screaming and protesting and whatever else. And, you know, they, um, there's a, a local dairy here, right? And it's called um, Happy Cow, Happy Cow Creamery, Happy Cow Products. It's all locally sourced milk products and everything else. Probably delicious. Well, <laughs> probably great. <dairy>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the daughter-in-law to the family that owns the business is a legislature in Columbia, South Carolina. And she signed a bill or helped sponsor a bill that said, um, when it comes to sports, we're not gonna allow somebody who identifies as a female to play on a female team or in a female sport and, if, you know, and vice versa, right? So we're taking that, that I identify as this or that out of it, right? Because you know that's the, the bill they're supporting. And there's this huge outcry from the people that are affected by that against the creamery and shutting it down and calling Whole Foods and Fresh Market and all this other stuff. So there's this other crunchy group that's saying, well, we don't care so much about that legislation, but we do care about you crushing a local business that we enjoy because it's organic and all this other stuff. So they're calling um, Whole Foods and Fresh Market and saying, hey, we like their products, we like your store, you lose our products, we lose your store, right? So it's the backside of that. And it's, it's nice to finally see that because usually it's all these protests and then everybody else says, well, if I protest against it, that makes me a racist, that makes me you know, unkind, that makes me anti this or anti that. But it's not, it doesn't have to be that, right? To your original point, it doesn't have to be that. It could just be our opinion, it could be a piece of that, right? So it's not that, I'm anti that conversation. I don't know enough about it. Um, I do think that if you're an 18 year old uh, uh, high school guy and you're, you know, the captain of your baseball team and you decide, Hey, I need a scholarship to college. I'm going to go play on the girls softball team. You've got an advantage, right? Um, That's just in in strength and power. Yeah. That's happening a lot lately. That's, that's not a conversation for me because I'm not affected by it. I can support everybody and tell everybody to be kind with each other and, and, and just, you know, lead with love, but, if you're shutting down a business, a family business has been out for 30 years and they put all these people to work. And that's the other thing. Like you look at small businesses and people attack them for whatever else, like people attack Chick-fil-A because they're closed on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Get your chicken the other seven, six days a week. You know, the business has said, Hey, we're going to keep the day of the Sabbath. Right. You don't have to work for us and you don't have to eat in our store and you can't eat in our store on Sundays, but we're giving everybody off on Sunday. Great. When people boycott that because this little piece says, well, I want chicken on Sundays, or I don't want you to be able to impose your faith on your business, which is their right. Um, you know, think about all the other people. Like if someone came after GMS, we're a small company, we're, you know, 45 employees. Like if they came after GMS for something because we we want chicken on Sunday, you know, <laughs> whatever that reason is, think about the the hundreds of people that have been employed through the last few years at CMS and all that going away, right? So I think that we have to have kindness and, and some tolerance, right? Tolerance is huge too, because you have to be able to tolerate things that don't go your way or that you don't agree with. And 
And that ties back to that story about Nabisco, right? I was intolerant of anybody else's thought. Like I was the smartest guy in the room. Um, and if, and if you don't go my way, I'm out. Right. So it was black and white and I was an idiot. Now, if you look at the last podcast I did, and, and, and if you were privy to some of my messages to my senior team, um, one of the last things I said was, Hey, if you're the smartest guy in the room, get a new room. Yeah. Right. Cause you don't, cause then you, you don't learn, you don't grow, you don't evolve or any of that. So, you know, I think that's a huge I mean, I'm always doing that. Like if, if I'm not learning from my people, I'm in the wrong job, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, through all that noise, all of that craziness, whether you're this, that, the other thing, doesn't matter. If you lead with kindness and tolerance, you'll, you'll, you will change the world. Yeah, also make sure you don't let the young people and 0.1% of the people control the legislature in the country. That's what drives me That's crazy right. today too. It's like, God, stop listening to young people. Like, even I'm too young. Should really be listening yeah. to me? Like, well, go to some experience. The other here. side of that is the old people, right? So, you know, you can't just listen to the old people because things change. It goes to the thing with music, right? With my my daughter, like, I can't cut it off, right? Because I, you know, there, there could be good stuff out there. Um, and, and I think that you know, on the political side, legislative side, you know, term limits solves everything. Oh yeah, you shouldn't, well, that's the you thing know, too, you shouldn't get out of college, become a congressman, and. You know, yeah. retire when you're 80. I think that's the thing too, is like, maybe I, maybe I even said it wrong. It's not even really old. It's not, that's the issue too, is it's not an age thing. I'm sure right. there are some 16 year olds out there that maybe have great ideas about the political system. Okay, that's fine. But it's, and like, like to your point, really old people, we don't need those guys anymore either. Get the 90 year old lady out of Congress. But um, it's about wisdom and experience. Like, let's find those people. Let's, let's listen to those people. Like, let's seek yeah. out the smartest guy in the room. Because there is a smartest and, guy in the room. There always is a smartest yeah. guy in the room. Maybe it's not you, but let's look for that guy and let him do stuff. Right. Please. And, <laughs> I give you. And, and don't throw away all that wisdom either, right? So, you know, the terminless thing is, is like, you got to keep some of that because they learn things and they need to pass those down. You know, in my consulting business, people say, what do you, what do you sell? My mistakes. I made a lot of that. Yeah, that's and, true, yeah. and, and that's what I do is I help navigate around those pitfalls that I stepped into. Right. So um, you got to keep that communication open, but it can't just be stagnant. Right. And I think that's where we are today. And I think that, you know, you've yeah. got two political parties um, and they are just hard, fast and tranche into their, their messaging and that's it. And you need the people in the middle again. But the problem is the people that were in the middle, got so tired of, you know, left, right, whatever. They're like, we're out. We're going to go. You know, they're, getting, they're getting pulled both ways. That's exhausting. Like, oh, That's you're right. this side, you're this side. It's like on certain subjects. Yeah. Like nothing worse than the guy that I like the saying about the Bible. Um, like a scientist will read thousands and or, you know, thousands. A scientist will read hundreds and hundreds of books and always thirst for more knowledge and always want more. Then you got the religious guy who read one book and thinks he knows everything. It's just like, mm -hmm. you just gotta be diverse and you gotta get some of the old people's opinions, some of the young people's opinions, mostly the experienced people's opinions. And it's just like, so black and white nowadays. It just, it's one or the other with people. It's crazy to me. But um, I know you got a hard out. I know you're a very busy man. But uh, any exciting plans for after the podcast, Rob? Uh, calls with attorneys, so no. Oh, yeah. okay. This is the I highlight. This is where we peak for the day. 
<laughs> Before we wrap it up, I have one question from my wife. She wanted to ask, what is your favorite color? My favorite color is green. Green, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. It's a good choice. I like it. <laughs> yeah. It think about it, it's it's earth, it's money, it's Irish. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think yeah. it's probably started because I, I was Irish and then I like money and then hey, it was Earth Day yesterday, right? So let's tie <laughs> that in and I'll look like a real one. You know, not That's such true. a a a uh, catalyst. I'm kind of um, jealous of that. You got a. I've got my favorite color, but no real reasons for it. <laughs> so that's cool. That What's your favorite color? Uh, red. Red. And I don't know why. Just always loved red. But I have a lot okay. of favorite things. I I try my best to have a favorite of everything in case I'm asked about it. I have a favorite number. I have a favorite color. I have a top five favorite meats, stuff like that. So. So it's pretty funny. Now what's your what's your top two favorite meats? Uh, top is pepperoni, and second is bacon. And people that know me are shocked by that. Everybody thinks bacon's number one, and it used to be number one, but pepperoni took the number one spot because you can eat it raw. You can yeah. eat bacon raw. It's reversal. One, yeah, my reversal. No. Although when I do cook pepperoni, because <laughs> I I love pepperoni so much, I'll just cook a, a cookie sheet of it in the oven snack on them like chips pretty healthy snack actually if you cook all the fat out of it but you do the same thing on salami by the way yeah and it's funny though when i see the pan that i cooked it in and all that orange greasy stuff and i think to myself yeah Crap, when i'm that's eating pepperoni raw i'm eating that stuff that's not good that's right <laughs> it's always kind of sad looking like wait i've eaten that a lot man i've eaten probably gallons of that liquid <laughs> in yep. its fatty form so yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, you're coming to town next week. Yep, be there uh, Tuesday through Thursday. You're gonna bring me that slidey pen, so I'm not clicking in my interviews. Yeah, I'll show it to you. You can't have it. It was given to me. Uh, gosh, you got to go back to when Wounded Warrior started. Um, and a friend of mine did a campaign for them and, and sent it to me. So it's like certificated and everything else. Um, right. But I'll show it to you, right. so you know what to go buy. I guess I'll have to get my own slidey pen. That's fine. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today and I'll let you go. Get You're to welcome. Your meetings and I'll see you next week. Awesome. That's the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode when I interview my mother. Thank you for listening and be kind to each other.